to get back on that fancy flying death trap of Rourke's and face the journey home. Since the idea of that made her stomach turn over, she considered the benefits of living out the rest of her life on Olympus. How bad could it be? The place had hotels and casinos and homes, bars, shops, which meant it had people. When you had people, bless their mercenary hearts, you had crime. You had crime, you needed cops. She could trade in her New York police and security badge for an interplanetary law enforcement shield. I could work for ILE, she muttered into the bedspread. Certainly. On the other side of the room, Rourke finished studying a report on one of his other properties. After a while, you wouldn't think twice about zipping from planet to space station to satellite and you'd look charming in one of those blue-and-white uniforms and knee-high boots. Her little fantasy fizzed. Interplanetary meant, after all, interplanetary. Kiss my ass. All right. He walked over, bent down, and laid his lips on her butt, then began working his way up her back. Unlike his wife, he was energized by space travel. If you think you're getting sex, pal, think again. I'm doing a lot of thinking. He indulged himself with the long, lean length of her. When he reached the nape of her neck, he rubbed his lips just below the ends of her short, disordered cap of hair, and feeling her quick shiver, grinned as he flipped her over. Then he frowned a little, skimming a finger along the shallow dent in her chin. You're a bit pale yet, aren't you? Her deep golden brown eyes stared sulkily into his. Her mouth, wide, mobile, twisted into a sneer. When I'm on my feet again, I'm going to punch you in that pretty face of yours. I look forward to it. Meanwhile, he reached down, began unbuttoning her shirt. Pervert. Thank you, Lieutenant. Because she was his, and it continuously delighted him, he brushed a kiss over her torso, then tugged off her boots, stripped off her trousers. And I hope we'll get to the perversion part of our program shortly, but for now, he picked her up and carried her out of the bedroom. I think we'll try a little post-flight restorative. Why do I have to be naked? I like you naked. He stepped into a bathroom. No, not a bathroom, Eve mused. That was too ordinary a word for this oasis of sensual indulgence. The tub was a lake, deep blue and fed by gleaming silver tubes twined together in flower shapes. Rose trees, heavy with saucer-sized white blooms, flanked the marble stairs that led into a shower area where a waterfall already streamed gently down gleaming walls. The tall cylinders of mood and drying tubes were surrounded by spills of flowers and foliage, and she imagined that anyone using one of them would look like a statue in a garden. A wall of glass offered a view of cloudless sky, turned to gold by the tint of the privacy screen. He set her down on the soft cushions of a sleep chair and walked to one of the curved counters that flowed around the walls. He slid open a panel in the tiles and set a program on the control pad hidden behind it. Water began to spill into the tub. 
the lights dimmed, and music, softly sobbing strings, slid into the air. I'm taking a bath, she asked him. Eventually. Relax. Close your eyes. But she didn't close her eyes. It was too tempting just to watch him as he moved around the room, adding something frothy to the bath, pouring some pale gold liquid into a glass. He was tall and had an innate sort of grace, like a cat did, she thought, a big dangerous cat that only pretended to be tame when it suited his mood. His hair was black and thick and longer than her own, it spilled nearly to his shoulders and provided a perfect frame for a face that made her think of dark angels and doomed poets and ruthless warriors all at once. When he looked at her with a